Alrighty, everybody, we are back from the green room at Vintage Grace Church, one of the coziest places I find on campus. You are listening to the Text Lab Podcast. David Crow here with the one whom some have heralded as the next David Crowder, but I say he's even better. I'm here with our very own Jason Ashdown. Jason, welcome to the pod. Thanks, man. Great to be here. You know, Jason, it's been a little while since you've been on the pod. Um, I know besides golf and pickleball, what else has been going on in your world and the world of worship at VG? Oh, man, we family had a great summer. My wife teaches, so it's a great time for us to disappear. We had some great trips this summer. Um, but man, in the world of worship, God is moving in powerful ways. Excited to see what he's doing on Sunday morning, but also through the weeks and hearing how he's just changing people's lives mm. uh, as they continue to surrender, continue to ask, God, what are you inviting me into? So man, worship at VG is all about engaging with Jesus, right? Yeah. As we're leading on a Sunday morning, we're trying to get out of the way. We're trying to create an atmosphere where people can connect with Jesus. Awesome. We want them to sing. We want them to raise a hands, engage with God to pray how he's calling us to respond to him. Yeah. You know, so that's good. what worship's all so about. Good. So when you say getting out of the way, that means you won't be wearing any leather pants on stage soon? I mean, I'll follow your lead, Pastor Crawl. <laughs> so welcome to the Text Lab. For our listeners who don't know, this is where every single week we do a deep dive into the text to help you prepare for your life group. Yeah, our goal is simple. We want to help you be a disciple who makes disciples. So whether you're leading a life group or just trying to do some deep diving on your own, we hope the text lab helps you have meaningful study, reflection, and conversations about what God has said in his word. This week, we're in John 14, 18 through 31. So let's get into it. Let's go. Verse 18. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day, you know that I am in my Father, you and me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not the world? Jesus answered, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. My Father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I'm going away and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced because I'm going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. All right, here we go. What are a few main things for us to notice and unpack in this passage? Yeah, first, I think it's really important to just kind of notice what type of passage this is. So much of the book of John has been this narrative where we're seeing Jesus move and uh, heal and all this kind of action happening in the text. And now we're in a different part. Um, the upper room discourse right before we get to the cross. This is a lot of kind of theological statements from Jesus. He's telling 
us a lot about who the father is. He's telling us about who the spirit is, about who he is and what's going to happen to him. But it's much more kind of this theological text more than just kind of a narrative in action. And so that's just important to kind of notice. And he makes a few key statements here to his disciples in 18 through 21. He says, I will not leave you as orphans. He says, because I live, you will live. He says, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he loves me. And whoever loves me will be loved by my father. And now he's going to tell them, this is what's going to happen in the meantime. I'm leaving. I'm going to the Father, um, and then I will come back. And now he's kind of talking about what happens in between that. Yeah, in the meantime is an important statement. What will happen after he leaves? He really is painting a picture of them of what new life in Christ looks like and what their mission is going to be. I mean, he's telling them their purpose. Yeah, he's telling them more than like, you're not just going to hang out and wait here until I come back. But I think it's it's important to see here too, like think about what this would have been like for the disciples. This would have been this crazy paradigm shift. I mean, they had no concept or understanding of the kingdom of God like we often think about it today that, oh yeah, Jesus left and then he's going to return. They were expecting the kingdom of God to be established and fulfilled in the next few days in Jerusalem. I mean, they were like rallying up. Pep rally was happening. Let's go. Jesus is going to take over Rome, establish his kingdom. We're at the kind of moment before that's going to happen. They had had in their mind this um, kingdom like David ruled in the Old Testament, um, very earthly established kingdom of David. And so they were thinking that's what Jesus is going to do. Establish this kingdom. It's about to happen. And so this would have been very flipping their world upside down. Yeah, it'd be like for us, like when Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I don't know, did they did they I can't win remember. It? Nobody's a Bucks fan, so I think there may be one Bucks fan <laughs> on this podcast, but it would be like they were entering into the Super Bowl in which they did last year. Brady gets right to the start of the game. He's like, Okay, guys, well, we've done great this season. I'm gonna head out. You'll be fine. Yeah, totally. You can I'll leave. You'll be, you'll do well. Don't worry about it. I'm out. Yeah, it would have been shocking. Everyone would have been shocked, and the disciples were feeling this shock. Right now, Jesus is telling them he is leaving just before the biggest moment of their lives is about to happen. And in verse 22, Judas asks basically um, this question, Jesus, how is this going to happen? How are you going to establish your kingdom only to us and not to the world? You can just kind of see his confusion. He's like, Jesus, is this going to be in the fourth dimension or something like that? He just doesn't understand. Yeah, exactly. They barely understand what's going on. And we see their confusion in multiple places here. And also in other uh, gospels, for example, Mm. as the disciples talk about who's going to sit on his left and his right. I mean, you can see them struggling to understand what Jesus is talking about. Yeah, I love what Jesus does here. He's done this over and over again through the book of John. Think about Jesus with Nicodemus, Jesus at the woman at the well, Jesus with the religious rulers. He doesn't answer their questions. He's really not concerned with kind of over explaining to them exactly how this is going to happen. Rather, he does what he continually does. And he tells them to believe in him, to trust in him. And he tells them that if you love me, I'm going away and I will come and make my home in you. And he rather is concerned much more about whether they're trusting in him, whether they're seeking him, whether they're loving him, whether they're obeying his commandments. He basically says, these are the main things. You don't need to worry about and understand exactly how this is all going to work, but rather seek me, believe in me, trust in me, obey me is what he commands them to do. I think this is a great question for us to discuss this week in our life groups. And it's just simply this. When was a time in your life when you did not understand what God was doing? And what was that like? Yeah. Great question. That's that's what the, the disciples are experiencing. And we, we experience that a lot as well. And then, so Jesus, rather than kind of answering Judas's question, I love that John says, not a scare it. Like, don't, this is not the, the, the guy that betrays Jesus. Um, but he doesn't answer that question. He kind of just 
continues on teaching them and, and elaborates um, basically of what life will look like in this in-between between Christ's going and his coming back. Yeah, Jesus continues to tell them about the coming Holy Spirit in verse 25. The reason that the disciples are not left as orphans is that the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of them. The Spirit will be a helper, he'll be a teacher, and will bring peace. Yeah. Notice this repetition again in the book of John. This is the way chapter 14 started out where Jesus said, do not let your hearts be troubled. And the Hebrew word here, when Jesus uses for peace is this, um, those words shalom is what it would have been referring back to this Hebrew understanding of the word Hebrew word shalom. And it's not just a peace that you have, like when you're on a vacation or a beach house, it's a peace that comes from the redemptive work that Jesus is doing on the cross. That's the type of peace here that Jesus is referring to. This is the way that Paul uses peace in Romans 5, 1, that since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. That's the peace that Jesus is referring to. And peace that comes because Christ is undoing death. Peace that occurs because Jesus is restoring what was broken, what was lost in the garden. It's a peace that's happening because Christ is making all things new. It's a real, complete, and full peace, not just a warm fuzzy. Yeah, can we just can we just sit on that for a minute? Because this is the this is a type of peace that I think is a real peace in our world. A lot of times in our world, when we talk about peace, we're really talking about maybe escapism. We're talking about a vacation. I need some peace. Or we're talking about getting out of like a bad work situation, or um, just kind of relief is a lot of the the peace that we talk about. But the type of peace here that Jesus is talking about is a a bigger piece than that. Just this real comfort that at the end of the day, Jesus sits on the throne. At the end of the day, he is um, bringing about his redemptive work of salvation in our lives, in the world. It's this meta piece. It's this mega piece that goes back to the, the fall of the garden and the redemptive work that Jesus finished on the cross that will be fully uh, fulfilled as he returns. And gosh, that's the type of piece that Offers, I think, comfort when there's fires in your backyard, when you're facing death, when you, your life is not working, when you're hitting the wall, when you don't know the future, when you're walking through pain. Um, Jesus says in the midst of all that, we can have peace because his work is sure um, and we can have peace in him. Yeah, Jesus says this peace comes as we understand and believe and trust in God's greater plan. What a challenge. Mm. He tells the disciples if they loved him, they would rejoice. Yeah, yeah. I, I love that. Jesus cuts straight to the heart of the issue. Yeah, meaning that, I mean, obviously they truly love God, but they're all, also they want to fully trust him. Yeah. There's an invitation from Christ to fully trust in him and rejoice in God's plan, even when we don't fully see it or understand it. And let these words ring true in our souls today. Let not your hearts be troubled. Yeah, yeah. And on another note here, I think as we look at this passage, it's important to kind of just notice the Trinitarian movement that's going on here. All throughout this passage, you see the Father and the Son and the Spirit really working together to bring about God's redemptive plan to make all things new. We have so much to learn from the Trinity. A lot of times we kind of like bypass the Trinity and just kind of think about it as this idea, but the Trinity is always modeling something to us. It's always telling us something about God. Um, in these passages, we see how the Father and the Son and the Spirit, they really model a willingness to submit to one another. Um, there's this perfect love that exists in the Trinity. They have different roles in the way that they operate in, and they really set this model for us of what a Christian community should be like, what Christian marriage should be like as we operate in these different roles, willingly both people laying down what they want for the sake of the the other person, um, perfectly loving one another. And I just think it's important. Don't miss the Trinity here in these passages. And even in your group, maybe discuss where do you see the Trinity at work in these passages with God, the Father and the Son and Spirit? And what does that reveal 
to us about God? What does that actually tell us about God and his work? And so, Jason, as you just even think about your life, as you think about what Jesus says in this passage, this kind of some of these final words from Christ to his disciples, telling them where he is going, telling them what's about to happen, kind of Jesus about to bring into fulfillment now the the new covenant and his redemptive work on the cross. Um, He's about to go to the cross and he's telling them these words. Application for you today, where does this kind of leave you? Yeah, you know, I think the biggest thing that is hitting me right now from this passage is a few things. First, Jesus says, hey, I'm going to go, but I'm not going to leave you as orphans. You're not going to be alone. And I'm going to leave my peace with you. Mm. Just this whole Holy Spirit inside of us, Holy Spirit, fill us. He gives Mm. us a gift, right? We've read before that Jesus says, hey, it's better that I go so that the Spirit can come. Mm. Wait, it's better for me to have the Spirit than Jesus? Yeah, it's like, really, Jesus? Yeah, just think about that. And as I think about that today, knowing that the Spirit is inside me, gosh, Spirit, lead me, fill mm. me, give me wisdom, you know? And then obviously we look out our front door, we can see the smoke, mm. we can see, we get the cancer diagnosis, right? We live through these things yep. and gosh, may just verse 27 ring true. It does for me. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world. Yeah. Let not your hearts be troubled. Don't let them be afraid because they're going to be. Yeah. Right? Yep. I mean, that's the reality. We're going to face fear. There's going to be in trouble. Mm. But spirit, give us peace. Yeah, it's powerful. Yeah. It's where I think, I'm at today. I think that's great. Even another question to kind of reflect on is just where is your heart? not living in the peace of Christ this week. Yep. And, and th- it's easy for us to judge and condemn our hearts when we see maybe the gap between <laughs> let not your heart be troubled and how troubled your heart actually is. You know, there's a piece to just to always, you know, first confess and re- repent and bring that to the Lord. And then also just to acknowledge Jesus, this is where my heart is actually at, to be with him in that gap, to be with him in the distance between let not your heart be troubled and how troubled my heart is today. Um, and so I think that's just a great question. Let that kind of be a mirror. Let that be a, a light on the dashboard um, to, of the engine to your heart of just, okay, man, this is where my heart is troubled. These are the things I'm holding on to and kind of bring those to Christ. I think as I think about let not your heart be troubled, I resonate a lot with Judah's question. Like, Jesus, how in the world is all of this going to work its way out? Um, I just don't understand. I A lot of that, it sounds like Judas, you know, he wants, he wants the roadmap. He wants to know the future. He wants to know what's coming. He wants to know the pieces in play, how we're going to get from A to Z. And I live my life often that way. And I want <laughs> to know right. the plan. I want to know the future so that I can know what to expect, know how to make it happen. And Jesus isn't really interested in answering that question. No, um, no. He says instead, the spirit is with you. Yeah. So Submit. just totally, totally submit, release, surrender my plan for God's plan, my way for his way. Live in that place of uh, beautiful surrender and trust and real peace. Then that comes from that. It's the only place you live in that peace as you trust and surrender in Jesus that his plan and his way is perfect, that we can trust fully in that, that the spirit is with us. I think that's what we're talking about when we talk about the good life in the book of John, a, a way of being, a way of life that follows that. Amen. Man, such good stuff here. Gosh, thanks to you, the listener, for being a friend of the podcast and for spending your time with us. Our promise to you is that we're going to do our best to make time valuable for you. 
So if this helped you in any way, let us know. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah, and whether you are working out at the gym, cleaning the house, mowing the lawn, driving in the car, whatever you like to do while listening to podcasts, we hope you feel equipped, encouraged, and ready to walk through the text a little bit better this week with your group. As always, do your own prep, invite the Spirit to lead you, and know that you are the one who is sent by God this week. Into your families, into your schools, into your work, into Starbucks, the gym, soccer practice, baseball practice, the pickleball court, wherever your Pray Watch community might be, and wherever God is inviting you to go to be the living proof of our loving God. We love you guys. We'll catch you next time on The Text Lab.